This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening in today on Green Living Ideas at Green Talk Radio. As always, this is your show host, Sean Daly, Editor-in-Chief of GreenLivingIdeas.com. And today I'm very happy to have with me Deborah Lynn Dad, who is an author and blogger and uh, known in many circles as the Queen of Green, which is a great title. <laughs> Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Yes, well, so Queen of Green, that's a, that's a great title um, to have, a big title. I, I was doing some research on you. I, I've become familiar. I know we actually are going to be working together, I think, somewhat on the uh, Green Living Ideas site. And uh, I think we're going to be, I understand we're going to have some of your contributions on that site. But I was interested to see that you did your first, well, there's a lot of Johnny come lately in this business. And I noticed that your first book on the topic of green and, and specifically non-toxic uh, products in the house was 25 years ago in 1982. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. Well, you've certainly been I was been one of the first people who were researching um, green consumer products and writing about them before it was even called green. Yeah. Yeah. And it really, I mean, that is like, you know, kind of a, a recent term. Uh, mm-hmm. In the last ten years, well, so now tell tell me about and tell our listeners about your early experiences that sort of brought you into this uh, this world. I understand now you're in Florida, but at the time you I understand you were living close to where we are actually, and you were in Marin County. Is that right? Um, well, at the time I was actually living in Oakland when I first got into this. Um, I was living with my father in a condo in Oakland. My mother had just died, and I um, was kind of in a stressful situation because of that and taking care of him after, you know, they'd been married for 25 years or something. And um, so I had a combination of uh, stress, and I had also, we were remodeling the condo. And this was before anybody knew anything about green building, and so I was using all those standard toxic paint and and lining every single cabinet with vinyl shelf paper. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that was what you did. That was what you did then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I was doing all that with all those toxic products, and I'd had all the stress of my mother's death and now taking care of my father. And my immune system just collapsed. And I started having all of these symptoms that seemed to be unrelated, and I eventually found out that they were the result of exposures to toxic chemicals, which I had been having all my life, Um, especially being at home. I was um, a piano teacher, so I didn't go out in the world to work. I stayed at home. And so I was exposed to all these toxic chemicals in the home to a degree that most people aren't because they leave to go to work. Mm-hmm. And um, I became very sick. And um, it was the process of identifying these toxic chemicals and then finding out how I could create a home environment that didn't have those toxic chemicals in it that led to my recovery. And I do consider myself to be recovered from environmental illness or multiple chemical sensitivities. It's now called MCS. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I consider myself to be recovered, but only recovered to the degree that if I were to go back to start living in a toxic way, I would get sick again. But so will everybody else. Sure. I mean, these are nasty chemicals we're talking about. I mean, they're not... They are nasty chemicals, yes. 
And but it's funny because we I mean it's not funny it's it's interesting though that we we really as a society we live with them every day we just sort of you know they're under the cabinet and we spray them happily but we we don't realize what we're doing to ourselves potentially with these dangerous dangerous chemicals in, in No close most proximity. people don't and you know it continues to surprise me because I've been doing I've been talking about this for 25 years so it continues to surprise me that I um, still meet people who don't know that things are toxic. I, I have, as a, a friend, a lovely man who has three children that he adores, and he was quite surprised when I started telling him about toxic chemicals when I met him. <laughs> yeah, it's like you adore your children. you got to think about like the things that you might accidentally be doing to your children uh, in a passive way. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he didn't, it, it wasn't that he was being negligent as a father. He just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And it was just quite surprising to me because he was very intelligent and well-informed and really cared about his children and did all these things to take care of them. And still he was exposing them to toxic chemicals and feeding them junk food, <laughs> microwave pancakes. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where, you know, until somebody sort of knocks us out of our tree of comfortability and the, the daily, the normal routine, that we're, we're so, it's such a commercial driven society that where where it's all about the products and obviously the corporations are very much in control and so we just sort of get programmed into a lifestyle and it takes people like yourself to go and have these experiences and write books and really kind of wake people up and say Mm -hmm. you got to look around I mean myself included in that there were a lot of things that in the past few years and it's an evolving process too that I've kind of looked and re-examined and said wow I can't believe I didn't think about this before I've just been going through my life doing you know whatever it is in terms of impact on the environment or certainly in regards yeah. to things that might be toxic to myself and my family. And, you know, you, you just have to sort of forgive yourself and then, you know, not only change your life, but also hopefully get the word out to other people. Well, you do need to forgive yourself because we were all raised in, um, in a culture and continue, still are being raised in a culture where what you and I are talking about on our websites and today on this podcast is not the norm. It's still not the norm. It's very much more known now than it was 25 years ago. I mean, nobody was talking about this when I started. And um, so now at least you can, you know, go to Walmart or something and buy organic food. I mean, it's that mainstream now. But it's people still aren't being raised that way. It's something that we have to, like, look at our culture and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing that makes more sense. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's also, you know, it's, I mean, it sounds kind of, you know, corny and trite, but it's, I think it's completely true, which is, you know, you need to be that change that you want to see. You have to start with yourself because right. you, you end right. up inspiring people. And I know you've inspired a lot of people with the changes you've made and certainly with the writings you've done. Thank you. You know, and that and that's important because I think that, you know, people don't want to be preached at, but if they see you making these changes, I think it make, take, makes them take, stand up and take notice and go, well, well, wait a minute, what's going on here? Should I know about this? Uh, particularly well, when you know, with my website, one of the things that I love about the internet, because I was writing about this way before there was an internet, so all I could do was write books or paper newsletters. But one of the things that I love about the Internet is that it's so immediate and that all I'm trying to do on my website are just say, here's what I'm doing, and I'm going to share it with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'm not trying to tell people what they should be doing. I'm just trying to get as much information out as I can, and I especially love having my blog now because it's not just me blogging, but all my readers blogging with me. And we have, there's collectively so much information. It's really great to see everyone else's responses to the questions that come in. It's 
I'm just very happy with it. Yeah, I love I love the community driven content model because really, you know, you, you might write something that's fascinating or interesting or inspiring, and then and then you start looking at the comments and everybody else and how they say, yeah, and I've also done this, and it's you know that can be at least as interesting, if not more, in the end result uh, of hearing what other people are doing and how it augments that that uh-huh. original content. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so I'm curious now. I know that I think that your latest project has been in regards to specifically around the bathrooms, uh, green, you know, building and as a, uh, actually I think it was a green remodel, bathroom remodel project that you did. Yes, my husband and I did that last year, and I just ended up writing an ebook about it and posted pictures on my website so everybody can go see them. And it's really, really beautiful. <laughs> so, uh, again, it's funny. We have, a, we have a connection. We're kindred spirits on the ebook side, and I know you've made comments, uh, I think, even in the ebook about just how, you know, going ebooks is a really green thing to do because you're not killing trees to produce the book. And I actually uh-huh. coincidentally founded a, a very large ebook publishing company a number of years ago, which continues to this day, called Real Time Publisher. So uh, I certainly appreciate that sentiment um, and, and get that whole thing. As far as the ebook itself, though, that you wrote, can you, can you tell us about the, the project and what you learned, sort of where you started and where you ended up and what you learned along the way? Well, where we started, which I think is the most important thing I want to say to people, is we started because our home became contaminated with mold because the bathroom was not originally installed correctly. And, um, and it had galvanized pipes that had corroded out over the years behind a wall that nobody can take down without taking all the tile off. So you don't take it down and see, is it leaking? And, you know, after we started learning about this, because you just look at the wall and you say, well, there's nothing wrong with it. But then you notice the paint is peeling and then the tile starts falling down. We had this exact same problem, not only in this house, but in our house in California, in Forest Knolls in Marin County. And we have a rental house here, too, and we had exactly that same problem. And while we were doing research for this, we ran into a contractor where all he does is remove the mold and rebuild the bathroom. That that problem is so widespread Mm -hmm. that he has a whole business with, like, all these employees. He's sending them out all the time just to handle this problem. So one of the things that we did in um, our remodel was that the number one thing was we wanted to make a watertight bathroom. So not only do we talk about the green aspects of the materials that we used in the ebook, but we also talk, give the specific instructions on how to make a watertight bathroom. Because if you have to go replace a bathroom every five or ten years because it wasn't installed correctly, that's not a green thing to do. What you want to do if you're going to build is you want to build so it lasts so you don't have to keep re- redoing it and using new materials all the time. Sure, I never never mind the, the health benefits or, or potential negative yeah. effects of not doing that. So when we moved in, I live in a, a house built in 1940 with plaster walls in Florida and um, wood frame construction and the original hardwood floors and it had the original bathroom with, with a really bad 1960s remodel, but it still had all the original plumbing and all the original tile. And so it was. we knew when we came into this house that we were going to have to replace it, but it suddenly became an emergency when our house was filled with mold spores. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how did you first know that? I mean, uh, what, what, what tipped we, you off? My husband and I first started, um, we started having respiratory problems and we weren't sleeping. And once that happened, it was just a serendipitous event that we got an opportunity to have our house inspected by bowel biology inspectors. And I'll just explain for a second, since I think probably many of the listeners don't know what bowel biology is. 
it's a specialized field that looks at the relationship between the house and the inhabitant and the house and the environment. And so um, they come in and actually with instruments measure for things like toxic chemicals and humidity and mold and dust and all these things. And they came in and they measured and sent the, our air samples off to the lab and there was measurable mold. But you could also, we, they crawled under the house. This was actually a class. I had 12 biology inspectors in my house. Wow. And, um, and they went underneath and, and by examining underneath the bathtub, you could see mold growing visibly. And I have those pictures on my website. Interesting. And that website for our listeners is uh, dld123.com or www.dld123.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, good. Um, so interesting. So, so then these. So now this team, the strike team of <laughs> biobiologists. Can anybody <laughs> get these people to come to their house? Or um, yes, I can. Um, and there's a, on my website. I have a link to the website where you can go, where there's a directory of these inspectors all over the country. Okay. Well, that's great. That's a great resource uh, because I, that would be very interesting and possibly frightening, like taking certain tests. Uh, you know, you're well, kind of like waiting for the whole results. Report, but... too. So that you know exactly what they found, and they make recommendations on what needs to be fixed. Okay. Well, that's that's a great resource. Yeah. Well, all right, so, uh, anything else about the bathroom remodel project that you learned that you would want to share with listeners in terms of best practices or things to watch out for if you're doing a, either a new build or a remodel? Um, you know, in terms of the the components you might use in the bathroom, things like that. Well, there are just some basic things that that everybody every bathroom needs. Like, um, I mean, I think that it's really important how the shower gets built and the materials. Like, we didn't want to use uh, just a acrylic drop-in shower. We we really went with the whole tile. I mean, we tiled practically the whole bathroom. Every wall of it, up to seven feet, has tile on it. And what we learned, some little tricks we learned about tiling is that tiling actually can be very expensive. And if you look at, say, bathroom magazines, they have all this fancy marble and everything. But what we found was that you can buy at places like Home Depot or Lowe's very, very inexpensive, what's referred to as field tile, where you just it's just like white tile squares, you know. And But we went with what's called subway tile that are these little rectangular things that look a lot more stylish. And so we put these very, very inexpensive tiles all over our walls. Um, and then we spent our tile money on buying accent tile. And so we have a really stylish tile job, but it didn't end up costing as much as you might think. Okay. And to put in a lot of tile um, is what makes the room watertight. Okay, so that was a key. That was a key part of the. That was the really a, a key thing, and then we replaced the pipes in the bathroom with the galvanized pipe with copper, because copper lasts much longer, and the galvanized pipe will corrode, and you just have to spend the same amount of money replacing the galvanized pipe. So we went with the the best. That was the best choice there. Okay, and I'm also, curious, go ahead, please yeah. continue. Yeah. Um, we also looked for individual things like um, our medicine cabinet is made out of steel because we didn't want to put in one that was plastic or particle board mm-hmm. that would outgas toxic chemicals. And we had to look for that, but we ended up finding it. The thing that surprised me the most was the decision about what to put on the areas of the walls that weren't tiled and what kind of paint we should use. And we looked at a lot of, there's a number of different non-toxic and natural type of paints. Which would be like the, the non-VOC non paints, the right. volatile organic chemical right. paints. But what we went with was colored plaster. 
And the reason that we did that was because our walls were plaster to begin with. But also, we wanted something that was more visually appealing, and it was um, a very, very small space. But plaster absorbs humidity, and so it actually makes it the perfect thing to put in a bathroom. Ah, especially in Florida, where it's right. very humid. And, and this is, these issues are very, very important in areas of the country that have high humidity, yeah. uh, the northeast and the southeast. And, and also bathrooms being so humid, the most humid um, room in the house. Sure. You really want to be controlling the humidity there. And the plaster will just absorb that and then, you know, re-release it when, when the air is dry. And um, it also, you never have to repaint plaster. It's like an infinite kind of wall because if you, um, if something happens and you can just repair it by putting a little more of that colored plaster on and it just looks like it was always that way. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, so even though it's more expensive to begin with, in the long run, you never need to repaint. Okay. Well, that's good information. Uh, Again, that's an interesting option. I would not have considered that. I've always just thought of, you know, if it was going to be green, it would be, you know, non-VOC paint and... Uh, so that's that's good to know. Uh, and anything else in regards to the, uh, how about I was curious about uh, water flow. Was that something you addressed in the project? Um, water usage, which is a bigger you know issue in this part of the country than perhaps there. Um, you know, in terms of like all the fixtures in the bathroom are low flow, mm-hmm. and uh, since there's been so much emphasis on this, and all the manufacturers are redesigning everything to be low-flow, um, it wasn't difficult to go find low-flow showerheads and pictures and toilets. A thing that I did find out was that there is a large difference in different types of low-flow showerheads in how they're constructed, and yeah. some of them just take their old designs, old fancy designs, and they put in water restrictors. Right. But there is new technology to actually make the water flow through the showerhead in different ways. And if you go to a really high-end, like one of those plumbing gallery kind of places, mm-hmm. um, they the one that we have here actually had a sink with all the shower heads in it, and so you could see what the different flows felt like. That it didn't, it didn't. We didn't end up buying one there because it, it, everything was so expensive. But we were able to go to another place, and they actually had the same shower head we had chosen for a much lower price. And so we already we learned everything at the expensive place, and then we went to a less expensive place and had that information to mm-hmm. make our decision. Well, what you what you said about uh, the low flow not having to feel as low flow is so true, and that that it does require a specific design. And we've actually had two guests on this program so far. I believe uh, was uh, Sterling, which is a subbrand of Kohler, and also Delta Faucet had both. We we about bought that. Sterling glass doors. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. Yes, they've they've been actually a guest of ours at least once, if not twice, on our other uh, website builder community com as well, and uh, they were he, you know the gentleman was talking uh, about you know the design that there's a lot of engineering that goes into it making it low flow but not feeling low flow because nobody likes the feeling of going into a you know a shower and it doesn't even feel like the water is washing you off it's like drizzling mm-hmm. you know that sort of defeats the purpose so they've they've put a lot uh, the technology has really come along to help uh, that change that experience for the, for the person uh, yes it has and you know another thing that um, I didn't really expect but I was pleased to find was that most of the materials that we used um, actually came from places like Lowe's and Home Depot, that we didn't have to go to specialty places um, to buy things like cement backer board or tile or grout or um, even even things like we bought a, a completely non-toxic grout sealer 
Um, but we were able to buy it from a place right here within 20 miles of our house that sold specific green brands of building products. It's nice to see so, the, the penetration happening in the market like that and the availability. Yeah, so it's not, I mean, to think of a green bathroom, first of all, it doesn't need to look like it came, you know, it's out in the country. Mine looks very sophisticated. It, it, it uses materials that you can get at ordinary stores now. Um, it, you can make it in any style. Um, we really approached it as a place that we wanted to be um, a celebration of the element of water. And, and so we have, like, um, we designed it to have this gorgeous blue, and we have things like seashells and, and a wave pattern on our accent tile. And so when you walk in, you just, like, there's this real connection with nature, and it just really feels beautiful and serene. Hmm, great. Well, and I, I wanted to make one clarification, uh, just going back to something we were talking about earlier. I just realized that we, we were talking about uh, earlier in the call about, uh, bio, and I, I was understanding biobiology. It's actually bowel biology. B-A-U-B-I-O-L-O-G-I-E, which I guess is translated from the German of building biology, the biology of a building. Right. I, I wanted to make that clarification before we signed off because uh, I learned something new there. Um, Deborah Lynn Dad has been my guest today. It's been a pleasure having you on the program with us. And uh, we, you. you can uh, find out more about Deborah's work, including her blog and the books she's written, on her website at dld123.com. Deborah, thanks again for being with us, and we'd love to have you back again sometime. Thanks. I'd love to come back. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.